The reading today is Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 to 6, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may, may, uh, they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you take them and you make them rest from their burdens? The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they, shall, they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, Let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. Then he said, You are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and make sacrifice to the Lord. Now go and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. Morning, everyone. Uh, thanks, Felix, for the reading. I'm Jared. I'm the guy who forgot the last verse, and man, I'm sorry. <laughs> also the pastor here. Um, please join me in prayer. 
Uh, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you love us and that you've given us your word. Please help me to speak clearly and faithfully and boldly. And please use uh, the truths of your word to make us more like Christ and to bring us to repentance and faith in him, uh, whether that's for the first time or once again. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question that I would like to ask to begin with is, where is God when things get tough? When, when faced with extreme difficulty and challenges in our lives, where is God when all of that stuff happens? I mean, you just look around at the world that we live in, we see wars, we see intense persecution, we see families that are struggling, we see all kinds of things, cost of living crisis, and the question comes up, where is God in all of this? And, and, and then the related question, why God? Why, why is it like this? Why, why haven't you done something to change it? Um, and, then, and then the other related question being, who is God anyway? Who is he? And, and, and what, what's he going to do about all of this? All these sorts of questions come up in today's passage. Some of them are more obviously there um, with Pharaoh explicitly asking, who is the Lord? Um, and Moses asking later, why? Um, but then also we see uh, this kind of underlying questions that are there. Uh, where is God when all of these things get difficult? Where is He when, when you know, I lost my job, or when I, when I have a, when in you know certain parts of the world when people suffering intense persecution, family members are being killed, all those kind of things. Where is God in the midst of all of that? Now today we have a, a passage that um, I think has has a lot of parallels with um, modern day sayings, which I think is really helpful because it can kind of help us remember where we're going. So we're going to work our way through the passage and I'll bring those up as we go along. And then once we've seen what it means here, we're going to see what it means for us as well. Now, Exodus is, uh, is the second book of the Bible. Uh, it's, it's telling the story of how God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. Uh, and he did that through this man, Moses. And, um, and so God uh, is, is, is the one in control. And he's bringing his plan to bring his people out of Egypt. Now Moses, uh, he he was he was he was a guy who'd grown up. He was actually born an Israelite, but um, at that time it wasn't it wasn't a good time to be born an Israelite as a as a boy. So he he was actually given to to the the Egyptians, raised as an Egyptian, uh, and then he had this kind of uh, life crisis and 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 you know all kinds of stuff he killed an egyptian he went on the run um people wanted to kill him he went to midian met a nice girl settled down god appeared to him called him to go back to egypt and to to get the people out of there to lead them out so moses has had a had an amazing life so far and if you want to read about that just go back and read the first four chapters of exodus to give you an idea of where we are so let's work our way through this passage Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord. Remember that. Thus says the Lord. That's important. We'll talk about that later. The God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? Now, if you think about Pharaoh back in those days uh, in Egypt, they worshipped all kinds of idols, didn't they? They had all kinds of statues that they bowed down to. Um, He knew of many uh, idols which he would have viewed as gods. Um, But the Lord, whose personal name, Yahweh, they've they've just um, said, you know, the Lord has, has, has commanded you to let the people go. He's never heard of him, doesn't know who he is. Uh, he's, he would have heard of Ra and various other things, but he hasn't heard of the Lord. Um, he says, I do not know the Lord. Uh, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. 
I, I don't know who this God is that you're talking about. And, and no, I'm not going to listen to him. I, 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 why should I? Uh, that, that's the, the nature behind what Pharaoh says. Now, it's important at this point to say that a lot of the rest of Exodus addresses God making himself known in Egypt. Uh, the, the, at the beginning here, Pharaoh's like, I have no idea who the Lord is. By chapter 12 and chapter 15, Pharaoh's going to know who the Lord is. That's, that, that's, that's what happens. God makes himself known. We'll see that as we continue to work through Exodus together. Um, but yeah, this point, he's like, no idea. Who is this, this God? You know, I, I, I don't know. And so Moses and Aaron reply in verse 3. They said, the God of the Hebrews, so they're telling him who the Lord is. The Lord is the God of the Hebrews, okay? He's met with us. So, and that's referring to God appearing to Moses in the burning bush that wasn't consumed. It was on fire, but it wasn't being burnt up. He's appeared to us, not like, you know, your little statues, but God himself come to appear to us. And he has said, uh, so, so he's called us to tell you this. And he says, and they say, please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. So they're saying, look, God can bring judgment and, and God is calling us to, to go out and, and we need to listen to him. And, and he's telling us to tell you to let us go. But the king of Egypt, that's another name for Pharaoh, he says to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. Stop making excuses and carrying on and, and, and wasting time when there's, when there's bricks to be made. You guys are just wasting our time. Now, I think this is the first modern saying that I think is helpful. Uh, chucking a sickie. Everyone familiar with that? With that? So... If we use, let's say Australia Day falls on a Thursday and you go, okay, there's, there's almost universally, hopefully not, but, but a lot of people will go, you know, I feel a little bit under, under the weather <laughs> on, on, on Friday. <laughs> they, they, and, and maybe they realized that when they started driving down to Dunsborough <laughs> on Thursday night. <laughs> and, and then, you know what, they're still feeling a little under the weather on Monday. And Pharaoh thinks that's what Moses and Aaron are trying to do. They're trying to, you know, oh, let's chuck a sickie. You know, we, we, we're a bit sick and tired of, of, of building some pyramids and making some bricks and stuff. We're, gonna, we're just going to go off and, and chill out in the wilderness for a few days. See you later, Pharaoh. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand how this works. There's no trade agreement here. You guys are slaves. Like, this is, <laughs> you know, you, there's no sick leave. There's no annual leave. There's no leave at all. Um, and so Pharaoh's, he, he mistakes their devotion to the Lord uh, for laziness. So he, he looks at what they're doing and he thinks, no, you guys, you guys are just lazy. That's, that's why you want to you wanna leave. You don't, you're not... You're not actually trying to honor this God that you're saying you're trying to honor. You're just trying to get out of here and have a good time for a few days. And you know what? I kind of understand it, but I'm not going to allow it. Uh, so get back to work. Uh, Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many. This is in verse five. And you make them rest from their burdens. Now, if you remember back to the beginning of Exodus, the people of Israel have been multiplying like crazy. There's so many babies all over the place that um, the Egyptians are getting concerned. And, and to put that into perspective, Israel was this kind of like weak, weedy, tiny nation that kind of started with 70 people or so. And now, and Egypt's the superpower of the day. And, and they're getting concerned by how many Israelites there are. And that's because God has been blessing them with lots and lots of children. So we have this situation where uh, Pharaoh is concerned. He's still concerned uh, about, about the, the number of people uh, of the Israelites. 
instead of instead of uh, them being a threat to us, they should be working for us. Like you know, if 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 you imagine you send out a whole bunch of people, they could arm themselves and then come back and try and take over you. But but no, fair is like no way. We you know, there's a lot of people that should mean I have a lot of slaves, and they should be doing their jobs and working hard. And in verse six, the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen. So to give you an idea of what that is, the taskmasters are like the Egyptian slave drivers. So they go under Pharaoh um, and they're on Pharaoh's team. And so when we see them beating the, the Israelites, that is a good indication that they're on Pharaoh's side. Um, so they're, they're, they're Egyptians and they are, they're, they're slave drivers, essentially, you know, get, getting the people to do their jobs. The foremen of the Israelites are like the, the, the chief slaves, I guess, if you want to, if you want to call it. So they're, they're on the other side, they're on Israel's side. Uh, and they report to 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 the to the taskmasters and Pharaoh as well. So we've got the taskmasters who are kind of imposing Pharaoh's restrictions down, and the foremen who are trying to like answer to them as to what's going on. Now, they say uh, this is what Pharaoh says to them: "You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves." Uh, that's what he says. Uh, but the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. See the laziness thing again there? Therefore, they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So you can see this real, uh, this real view that Pharaoh has, that the people trying to serve God is just them being lazy. That they that they actually they're not they're not doing anything of note here. They're they're not going to worship God. They're not not going to sacrifice. The only reason they came up with that excuse is so they could get out of making bricks. Uh, that that's why in Pharaoh's mind they're doing that. And so he's mistaking devotion to the Lord for laziness. Now devotion to the Lord can be mistaken for many things um, in our world, and and we'll talk about that a bit more later. Uh, and, and and yeah. So what's the, the, the second thing that we see in these verses? Well, we see that Pharaoh is saying, I want you to make exactly the same number of bricks. I don't want you to make any fewer bricks, but I want you to do it where you go and get your own straw. Um, so yeah, Israel drew the short straw there. <laughs> Ella just said that's bad. <laughs> so so the, the phrase that I thought that's kind of helpful to illustrate this is, oh yeah, I'll tell you a quick illustration first. I told you once about the cricket bat I ordered online that was really small. Here's another of my online orders that didn't go so well. I ordered an inflatable kayak um, online and it, um, it, it was supposed to come with, with two paddles. Um, the paddles never came. And so I was emailing back and forth and back and forth and back and forth about these paddles and they would say, oh yeah, we'll, we'll give you a refund. I'll be like, that's great. And they'll be like, oh, we need to reconsider this. And I was like, oh man. Anyway, the illustration, why am I telling you this? Because uh, I didn't have any paddles and Israel here were up the creek without a paddle. You know, they, they, they were told, make the same number of bricks, but we're not going to give you the straw to make them. It's like, do the same stuff but we're not going to give you the same resources in order to do this stuff. Uh, you don't have to be a genius to work out that's not going to end well. Like, how can they possibly keep doing what they're required to be doing if they've got all of this extra work added on top of them? They're not going to be able to go and get all of that stuff and then, and then still finish the same number of bricks. Uh, these guys are, are slaves, remember? They're working hard. There's no smoko. They're not slacking off. They're, they're, they're busy the whole time 
just doing this work for these slave drivers who are going to beat them if they don't do it. And so we have here this, this situation where they're, they're being uh, forced to do more and or forced to, to remain the same number of bricks and to do more by going to get more straw. Have a look with me in verse 10. Oh, before we do that, sorry. Uh, verse 9, let heavier work be laid on the men. Uh, so, so he's saying let heavier work, which is what we're saying, the same amount of bricks, but also adding and going to get the straw that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Now, this is interesting. Pharaoh is saying that they may pay no regard to lying words. Now, Pharaoh is a human, and um, we're all humans here. Uh, and Lexi's here as well. <laughs> she's, she's, she's a dog. <laughs> she, um, but yeah, there's, there's, if, uh, so aside from Jesus, who's the only perfect human, all of us other humans have lied. You know, we, we've told lies in the past. Um, Pharaoh is no exception. Pharaoh has told lies. Uh, he's, he's, he's spoken with lying words. And that's different to God. God never lies. Uh, the Bible tells us that. He, it says that but God never lies. He, he's, he's perfect. He is true. And so when he speaks, it's necessarily true. He speaks out of his character. He's, he's never going to tell lies or spread falsehood. So it's very interesting to see here. Pharaoh is saying that the truth of God is a lie. He's saying that God's truth is actually a lie. And we see that in our world all over the place. You don't have to look far. You see many people saying that the things that God has said are true are lies. And here's another interesting section. The taskmasters and the foremen, this is in verse 10, went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh. You see how that's different to verse 1, which says, thus says the Lord. It's almost like Pharaoh's trying to, to be God. He, he, he wants that authority. He wants the ability to, to say, you know, this is, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. I'm, I'm the, the ruler. I'm the authority. Uh, you think about the way that ancient Egypt was governed. Uh, that would have been his daily experience. I, I'm the ruler. I'm in control. I call the shots. This is how it is. Uh, there is no one above me. And so these people are saying, thus says Pharaoh, in a way that is uh, uh, a, a, a really blasphemous uh, thing against uh against God, because God is the only, only one who has the authority to, to speak like that. Thus says the Lord. He's the one who has the authority, not Pharaoh. Uh, it doesn't matter that he's the king of Egypt. It wouldn't matter whoever he is if he was a pauper. What is a pauper anyway? <laughs> uh, I think a poor person or something. With a, yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter who we are. Thus says the Lord is what matters. Not, not thus says Jared, not thus says anyone else, but thus says the Lord. And Pharaoh is saying here, I will not give you straw. Verse 11, go and get straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent saying, complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not done all your task of making bricks today? And yesterday, as in the past. Who has an older brother here? Or who is an older brother here? Yeah, okay, cool. Um, is anyone familiar with the game, Why Are You Hitting Yourself? So, like, just to, to put this into perspective, you know, like, I ask because, you know, brothers do these sorts of things. And, um, and, and I remember, you know, you, you're lying on the ground and your brother's got your arms and, and he's doing this, like, with, with your hands, your own hands. And, and then the, the, the natural thing to say is, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Um, 
and and that's 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 meant to be funny. It's like it's 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 a humiliating thing. <laughs> um, yeah. And just to be clear, I can't remember a specific time when my brother did this to me. I'm not trying to <laughs> make it out as though he he did that and he's bad. But this is a this is a is a game. Now, this is pretty similar to what's happening here. They've they've essentially uh, grabbed Israel and are slapping Israel with their own hands. They're saying, "You guys, we're not going to give you any of the, the 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 things that you need in order to to do what you need to do, and we're going to punish you for it. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna say, hey." Why aren't you making the same number of bricks as before? Like, what's the deal? You know, you you were one day you were making all the same bricks, and now you're not making all the same bricks. What's what's your problem? Like, why why are you why are you not keeping up to to date with your daily tasks and and the work that's set before you? But of course, we know the reason. It's because they've they've deprived them of the resources they need in order to to do the task that they've set for them. The four men of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh in verse 15. Why do you treat your servants like this? Your slaves like this? Why are you treating us like this? No straw is given to your servants, that yet they say to us, make bricks. How are we supposed to make bricks without straw? Behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. You're beating us, but you're the ones who are at fault. That's what the people of Israel are saying. And they're right. Um, but Pharaoh's reply again, shows this belief that the people are being lazy. He says, you are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The four men of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They've, they've heard this, they've heard it again, and now they're worried because they know we can't do this. It's impossible. How, how are we going to still be able to make the same number of bricks when we've got to spend like half the day or more scattering all over Egypt just to gather enough resources in order to do it? It's not possible. And so we're going to get in trouble. And so they, they, they met Moses and Aaron in verse 20 who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to, to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you've made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. They're saying to Moses and Aaron, you know, God should judge you because you guys have, have, have made our, our situation far worse than it was before. You know, we were slaves here, yeah, which was bad, but at least they gave us straw to make bricks. Now, all of a sudden, they, they have a reason to be upset with us because you're, you're telling them, you know, we want to go away and go and sacrifice and all the rest of it. And now they're bringing the hammer down and they're saying, look, we want you to do all of these things that are impossible. Uh, God judge you, Moses and Aaron, is, is, is what they're saying. You've, you've given them uh, what they need to, to wipe us out. You've given them grounds to judge us and, uh, and to, to bring uh, this harsh, harsh, bitter slavery upon us. So this, you can see how we've got these, these different objections and these different things that match up with these modern day saints. So uh, how we've, we've got them uh, being... The, them dis- mistaking devotion to the Lord uh, for laziness. Uh, so, so thinking that they're trying to chuck a sickie. We see how they are, um, they're up the creek without the paddle, getting required to do stuff that they actually can't, can't do because they've been deprived of the resources. And we see how uh, they, they're just being required things that, that are impossible. And, 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 and we, we, we find them in a situation where it's very, very difficult. Their slavery has gotten even worse than it was before. So what, what are they going to do? Well, they, 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 they cry out to Moses and Aaron. They say, you know, God judge you. The, 
you you guys have, have done nothing to help us. And what does Moses do? Well, if you imagine being in that sort of scenario yourself, where uh, people are just mistaking your devotion to the Lord for laziness, where people are punishing you for, for um, you're still trying to do what, what's required of you, and then they're depriving you of what you need. And then even though it's their own fault, they're, they're putting all the blame on you. Could you imagine what, what that feels like? Maybe there's situations in your life that you can think of that you relate to. I think a big question that a lot of us would ask is, why? Why, God? Why is it like this? Why, why, why does it have to be this way? And that's what Moses asks. He turns to the Lord and he says, Oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? He says, Why have you harmed them, Lord? These are your people. You sent me here to, to be doing this rescue mission under you. Why? 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 Why have you done this to them? You've made it worse. Why did you send me? I remember Moses back previous chapter and the chapter before was, was very uh, not wanting to go. He didn't want to go. He didn't want to be sent by God. He just wanted to hold back and say, no, don't send me. He was disobedient and he lacked faith in God. And we see it here again. Why did you send me? Why did you ever send me? I was the wrong person to send and you, you should have known that. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done harm, he's done evil to this people and you've not delivered your people at all. They're still slaves. In fact, it's worse than before. What, what's going on? Why? Why is it like this? And then we have this uh, amazing uh, verse that contrasts with that. But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. You see how in that previous section, Pharaoh thinks that he's going to put the people of Israel in their place. He thinks, you know, they're getting too big for their boots. They, they, they're trying to be lazy, trying to go off and do their own thing. I need to bring the hammer down. They're going to be brought into line. What's God going to do? He's going to bring Pharaoh into line. He's, he's going to, to bring his judgment on Pharaoh such that Pharaoh is going to send the people out. Uh, the, 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 the fact here is that the people's daily experience has gotten a lot harder. Like they're, they're, if you imagine what it was like being a slave in, in that time, it was not a good time. Uh, it, was, it was a horrible time being beaten, of being required to do all of these things. And yet, uh, it's gotten even worse. Ever since God appeared to Moses in the bush and Moses has come and they've, they've gone to speak to, to Pharaoh to get the people to, to be set free, their situation's actually gotten harder. Um, their, their daily life experience has gotten worse. And so the question is, well, why? Why, why, why God? Why? And the answer is that God is still God and God is still keeping his promises. So he says in, in, in verse 2, uh, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. I have remembered my covenant. Now, the covenant is God's promise 
of essentially of salvation for his people, to give them blessing, to give them land, to make them into a great nation, to, to keep them safe and to, to, to prosper and grow them. Uh, and so he, he, he said that I have seen their affliction and I've remembered my covenant. So when we, when we, when we find ourselves in these kinds of situations where life gets harder um, and, and, and things, are, things, are, things are not going right uh, when you're living for the Lord, uh, we, can, we can be tempted to be like, why God? Why, why are you doing all of this? Like, why are you making my life hard? Um, and when we, when we read what God says here, we see that, that he's saying he's still God and he's still keeping his covenant. And, and I think that that's really helpful for us because it means that we, we need to take a, a step back from the immediate situation we find ourselves in and see even though people may be persecuting us, people may be uh, making life difficult for us unnecessarily, unjustly burdening us, all of these things, thinking that we're lazy or bigoted or whatever because we love the Lord um, and laying accusations against us, uh, in the midst of all of that, God is still God and he's still keeping his covenant. He's still keeping his promise to save. So how does that, how does that work? Well, I think it's really helpful to see that, that God does things in his own timing. Uh, he doesn't do it in our own timing. He, he, he doesn't go, well, I'm, I'm going to save uh, the Israelites out of slavery exactly when Moses wants me to. No, I'm going to save the Israelites out of slavery exactly when I've planned to. That's what God does. He doesn't, he doesn't do our timing. He does his own timing. Um, so we see the persecution around the world and the hope, uh, the secure hope in Jesus is that all of us who, who are in Jesus, that is trusting in him, turn to him and have faith in him, will be with him forever and will not be under that persecution in forever. But that hasn't come yet. And God is still on the throne. He's still remembering his covenant and he's still bringing it to that end. He's doing it in his own timing. Other thing to realize is that God is loving. God loves us. And we might not understand all of the reasons. Like, we, we won't. We, we won't understand all the reasons. I'm sure there are things in each of our lives where we, where we think about it and we go, I don't really understand why that happened like that. I, I don't get it. Um, but I know the one who does. I know the one who, who, who has planned all of this back before the world was, was created, before he made the world. And, and he did it with care and thought and he acted out of his love and he has a plan that is patient and he has a plan that is good and then he has all of the information. So me, without all of the information, I look at the whole situation and think, man, this doesn't make any sense. But he on the throne, remembering his covenant, remembering that he's saving his people, he has made this plan and I trust him. That's, that, that, that's, that's, the, that's the right response uh, to, to, to recognize, actually, you know what? God is the God who loves us. God is the God who has made a plan. God is the God who keeps his promises, not in our timing, but in his. Not for our glory, but for his, for our good. Uh, there, there's a verse in, in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 28, uh, which says, I'll read it for you. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And that's exactly true. It's true of 
of, of, of the, the Israelites here. It's true for us who love God. It's true that God is working all things for the good of those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. So why is it that things got worse in Egypt before they got better? We might not know all of the, 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 the smaller reasons, but we know that, that it's, it's working for the good of those who love him. We also know that it glorifies God. So why, why, why did I, you know, in a certain situation, you might find yourself losing your job. Why did I lose my job? Well, you know that it's working for the good of those who love him. God is making his plan work for, for our good and for his glory. Why am I facing this health difficulty? It's for, for our good and it's for God's glory. And if you think about um, some of these, these things, certain things in our lives we can, we can become reliant on. And, and I, I know a story of um, a friend who, whose parents owned a farm uh, and, the farm, and, and, and they, the farm was very successful. They didn't have a, a care in the world. They, they had no thought for God. Um, everything was going wonderfully for them until one day a fire ripped through and destroyed everything. And, and you think, well, why? Why, God? Why would you, why would you let that fire destroy all of, all of that stuff? That fire brought them to the point of realizing that they needed to be right with God. Brought them to the point of realizing, hey, we, we actually, we're by nature sinners who've rejected God, who need to be saved. Um, and all of this was going to perish anyway. It was only a matter of time. And I need to be right with God. And so you look at that and you think, it looks like God's just ripped away all of their possessions. But what he's really done is opened the way for them to see the one thing they really need, salvation in Jesus Christ. And so when we take a step back and we look at our lives, I'm sure we'll see parallels to that. We'll see things in our lives that we may have been trusting in or we may have put too much importance on. Um, we may have worshipped, sort of like the Egyptians worshipping their idols. Uh, and, and God refines us by removing all of that stuff uh, and he does this process of, of, of shining the light on us, of, of, of refining us, sort of like a fire, um, to, 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 to reveal what is not of him and, and, and pave the way for us to give that over to him. We see here that God is still on the throne. So when we look around at our world and we see that things are going wrong and we see that people are being killed or there's violence or all kinds of things that are going wrong. What, what is our hope? Our hope that is that God is on the throne, that God in his timing will bring salvation for his people and all of this will be for our good and for his glory. And that's a great hope to have. That's a secure hope to have. And when we look at it in light of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see that Jesus is the only one who can make us right with God. He's the one who brings out the, the fulfillment of all of God's promises. So God's covenant, uh, this, this promise that God has to save his people, uh, here was to the Israelites, this particular nation, right? The, the, they were the Jewish nation. Now the promise is open to everyone. It doesn't matter what nation you're from. You could be, you know, from here, there, anywhere. Like it, it, it doesn't matter where you were born, doesn't matter where you grew up, it doesn't matter um, where you live. Jesus is bringing every tribe, every tongue, every nation into his family. And, and so the, the, the offer is, is there for all of us to turn to Jesus and be saved. 
to trust in him for our salvation. So if, if you've never done that, then today I urge you to do that, to turn to Jesus and be saved, to, to put your trust in the one who can help us and save us, who alone can do that. And then if you know Jesus, and, and, and I'm sure that, that, that many of us do, you see the kind of love and compassion he has. He's not indifferent to the suffering of his people. He cares deeply and he cares so much and he even knows what it's like. Jesus went to the cross for us. He went to die a death that he didn't deserve to pay the debt that we did deserve to save us. That's what love looks like. That's what compassion looks like, what grace looks like. That's what Jesus looks like. And so when we find ourselves confronted with these situations where we're going, why God? We need to be reminded that God is still God. He's still on the throne. We need to be reminded that that God is the loving, compassionate, gracious God. And that God is bringing salvation to his people in his timing for his glory and for our good. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much that you love us and that you do offer salvation to us from whatever background we are. It doesn't matter uh, because you, Lord, have, have paved the way for us, no matter what, what background we have, to be saved. So we come to you, Lord, and we confess that we are sinners. Often we've, we've, we've been like Pharaoh. We've wanted to, to, be, uh, to grasp at your throne and, and say what, what we think instead of listening to you. And so, Lord, we confess that. We put our trust in Jesus, who, though he, he is God, emptied himself by taking on flesh to become one of us to save us. So we turn to you, we trust you. And Lord, we ask you that in times of difficulty, you will remind us of these core truths of who you are and what you've done, of how you are God, how you are on the throne, and how you are bringing salvation to your people and how you are working all things for our good and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.